Write the world-changing book that will help grow your personal brand and your business as it makes the world a better place. Welcome to the Author's Corner, hosted by Robin Colucci. Every episode, we bring you some of the most successful authors, as well as other industry experts, to share some inspiration, motivation, tactical strategy, and fun. We'll also talk about the challenges and trends in the publishing industry. Don't get stuck in the idea phase. Join the Author's Corner today. Start writing the book you've dreamed about. Hello and welcome to the Author's Corner. I am your host, Robin Colucci, and today I am beyond thrilled to be able to introduce to you Vince Del Monte. Now, Vince Del Monte has been world-renowned fitness professional for many, many years, over a decade. He started out as a fitness trainer, was a fitness competitor, uh, placed third in the World Fitness Model Championships. And during this journey, Vince built a business empire that has consistently generated over a million dollars a year. Now, you might wonder why I'd have a guy like Vince on the author's corner. Well, Vince also happens to be the author of a book by the title Living Large, published by Ben Bella Books in 2016. And I was the collaborator on Vince's book. And the reason I invited Vince to share with you today is he's going to tell his story of how he was able to utilize the book and not only having the book, but leverage also the book writing process to be able to catapult his fitness business into a whole new community where he actually teaches other fitness experts how to grow uh, multiple six-figure and seven-figure businesses. And so today, Vince is known as the premier go-to online fitness business coach due to his outstanding track record in building thriving fitness businesses. So I hope that when you listen today, that you will keep your ears open for some incredible insights that Vince has, not only about success with his book, but success with his business and also success in life. So without further ado, let's go talk to Vince. So Vince, welcome to the author's corner. Oh, my favorite person in the world, Robin, how are you? Vince, I'm great. And anytime I get to see you, I'm great. (laughs) A long relationship. I know. I was just thinking about it uh, earlier today. And I think we've known each other. Oh, I know over a decade, I think we might be coming up on our 11th or 12th year. (laughs) Uh Yes. It's been amazing. We've worked together and, you know, both directions. Exactly. Exactly. I helped you with your book. Then you helped me. Wow. I mean, yeah, you helped me like triple my business in a year and a half. (laughs) So so cool. I'm so happy. (laughs) Results you deserved. Oh, yes. Thank you. So as you know, and I want to share with our listeners, but I I invited you on today, of course, because I wanted to see you, but but not just that. (laughs) I invited you on today because I wanted to talk about the process that we shared together in creating Living Large, which for which we got you an agent with, uh, at the time, Celeste Fine, who at the time was at Sterling Lord. And then she went on to sell your book to Ben Bella Books and it came out and it was in the stores and everything. But 
What you did next, I think is so super interesting. But before we get to what you did next, as I recall, when we were first talking and you came to me about writing a book, you know, you were already a very successful online marketer. You'd already passed a million dollars on online sales as a fitness expert. And I remember in our early conversations, you were really wanting to get out of that box, like not let it go, but you were starting to see maybe other ways you could help people. So can you share with our listeners a little bit about, you know, when did you recognize? Yeah, there's a lot of pieces, you know, they all kind of came together and the book was kind of like, you know, what would you say the birthday bull, you know, at the end of 10, 12 years of creating fitness content, a lot of eBooks, a lot of digital programs, monthly recurring programs. I felt like I still hadn't earn my seat at the table, if you will, I didn't have a bookstore book. And, you know, as I was, you know, building my brand, I just felt like I'd always postpone that because I didn't see the immediate ROI from it. Because there was a process, as you were suggesting, that it takes to create a book. And as a marketer, everything is like you want it done fast. So I kept postponing this and I eventually realized that, you know, I'm not going to be a fitness coach forever. I definitely felt called to helping people build their business and build their best life. And I had so many people messaging me on how did you build your online fitness business that it was transitioning quickly to becoming a full-time fitness business coach, which is what I do now. And I felt that, you know, at the end of the fitness, I should have a bookstore book, a summation of all of my best work for this skinny guy in one place and Mm. living large, you know, my best-selling book that you can get on Amazon or bookstores, that one piece of work I'm probably more proud of, most proud of than anything else I've put out in over 12 years. Getting Men's Health to endorse it and bodybuilding.com and the editor of Men's Fitness. And you know, if you open it up, you know, there's a section called praise for the author. And that process of getting industry leaders to give me praise for that piece of work. It really, I think, solidified my, you know, as I said, seat at the table. And I felt, hey, I'm not just a fitness marketer. I've contributed to this space uh, tremendously. I've created work that the skinny guy will be able to resource for life. And to this day, my brother just this morning, he's like, oh, I'm going through your living large workouts again. Oh, and they're so good. That made me feel really good. So when I see somebody at a party, I just tell them like, hey, uh, where should I start? I'm like, just go to Amazon and grab Living Large. I don't sell them, you know, go to this website. It's just go to uh, the bookstore, go to amazon.com, search Living Large, start with that book. So I think that also really positioned me differently. You know, there's a lot of business coaches out there, you know, specifically in my space, I'm competing against a lot of... um, young up and coming kids who have, you know, overnight success with their fitness business. Now they've become business coaches, but none of them have even a fraction of the accolades that I do when it comes to the amount of programs I've built, to the audience size I've built, to the amount of revenue I've produced. And now to put the cherry on top, I've got a real book. And I think that gave me a lot of Mm -hmm. confidence And even my mentor, Bejos Koulian said, you know, Vince, like you're the OG of fitness marketing. How many business coaches have books in the fitness space? They've all, they're all just one trick teachers. You can help people do digital funnels. You can help them do high ticket coaching. You can teach them how to write a book. And to me, that's something I'm pretty proud of. Yeah. And, you know, I remember when we were crafting 
living large. We did something very deliberately because at the time, everybody in the world just saw you as a fitness expert. They didn't see you necessarily as the guy to go to for help with mindset or goal setting or planning or dealing with naysayers, right? Right. And those kinds of coaching elements that ultimately transition to business. And with that in mind, we crafted the structure of the book Mm. so that in part one, we actually had chapters about those things, right? Specifically those coaching elements. And then we, and then in part three, we talked about how you could take the lessons from the gym and apply them to other aspects of your life. Right. Living large outside of the gym. Yeah, exactly. So how did those elements do you think make a difference in terms of you know, helping build that bridge. Like, what are your thoughts? Oh, big time. On that? That's yeah. a great question. I think it's everything. You know, it's positioning, right? You know, I was sharing with you uh, before we hit record that, you know, I think for 10, 12 years, people were paying me for what I do. You know, I help you build muscle, you know, naturally. That's what I do. I teach you how to, you know, achieve a great body. But now I feel like I'm getting paid for who I am. Mm. And as a business coach, what I mean by that is that people are coming to me based on my vision and my values. You know, my vision being a preferred future of having a great bank account, but also great relationships, great life. So, you know, that's my vision and my values being a family man, man of faith. And I do share my opinions. And I think people either love it or they hate it, but they know what they're getting. Yes. (laughs) And I think that's important for people to know what they're walking into. They're like, hey, this is my coach. This is where he stands on these things. And for me, I've always wanted people to build businesses on this simple concept that people buy coaches and not coaching. Mm. That's my encouraging message to everybody. People ultimately want to work with you because Mm -hmm. they relate to your story. And sure, everybody's tactics and strategies, one guy's might be shinier than another's, but at the end of the day, most coaches get hired because you're simply a good problem solver and they relate to you and they trust that you can solve their problems. And I think that's why people come to me because they trust me that I can solve their problems. Yeah. And you know that when you were talking about the other aspects of what success looks like besides the big bank account like with a you know happy family life and, you know, being healthy and, you know, taking, you know, living with your up to your values and, you know, having a life of faith. It also reminds me of our conversations around the title of the book, mm. right? Because we were very deliberate and not making it just about muscle or, you know, gaining muscle or losing fat or, but we wanted the title to also open that door that right. maybe you're having a bigger conversation than just what you're going to share uh, about. Yeah. And that comes back to knowing your vision and your values and you know what you ultimately aspire for other people. Like what message am I supplying the marketplace? You know, what is my staple message? I think my staple message has been that you can live large inside and outside of the gym. And it really ties back to my upbringing. You know, growing up in a Christian home, my parents really said to me, I heard this quite a bit because they were in full-time Christian ministry that, you know, riches and relationships, they don't like jive. If you're going to have a big bank account, you're probably not going to have great relationships. And I've heard that. And they weren't trying to squander my ambition to build a business, but they were always concerned that if I pursued more wealth, then I would be sacrificing my, how are the kids doing? How's your relationship with Flavia? So I've always been on this mission to bridge those two worlds. Mm. 
and to be a gift back to my parents in that, Hey, look, you guys can actually have both of these. And a lot of times the, the reason we don't pursue both is because there's a story keeping you safe in that, well, if I pursue riches, then I'm going to lose my relationships. If I pursue riches, you know, or vice versa, if I pursue relationships in my case, the story I would tell myself is that it's going to reduce my ambition and my drive, which is going to take away my identity of being someone successful. So they're two separate things. Mm -hmm. And I've always been on this mission to bridge these worlds. Yeah. And, you know, just you mentioning your parents, I just love your parents so much. <laughs> they, they, they love you too. They always ask how you're doing. They're just such wonderful people. And they've really embraced, you know, your whole journey. Yeah. I think that's a part of your brand as well, you know, making people believers. And I think if you don't have a, a brand that is representative of your uh, lifestyle, then all the language in the world isn't going to cover it up. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's how you get to the status of like, I feel like being ready to, you know, write a bigger book, if you will, you know, and probably why a lot of the people you work with have more impact with their books is because they've like completed all the chapters, if you will, in their own mm-hmm. life. There's actually a book to share. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like living large was written when I actually had enough to share. It yes. was after 12 years. It wasn't my first piece of work. It was my last piece of work. So mm-hmm. I think that is kind of an indication for people. When should I write a book? I'm like, I told Bedros I wanted to write a book like after he came up with Man Up. And he's like, uh, you're, I think on chapter six, we got four chapters to go still. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So he's basically saying there's work. You're not ready to start yeah. sharing because you can't just start. And that's kind of like mm-hmm. people set themselves up because they're like, you're talking about something you're not living. And uh, that's when you set yourself up. Absolutely. It's so true. And and I often say that to people. I said, look, you need real on the ground experience for years. You know, most of our clients have at least all of them have at least a decade. Most of them have a couple of decades, you know, on the ground experience. So let me turn because one moment that was so memorable to me as your coach, you know, because we had talked about you starting to expand into higher ticket programs. We talked about you you know, going more for the high value, lower volume, not to get rid of your fitness products, but, you know, in order to be able to work with people in this more deep way that you had been wanting to explore. One of the peak moments of my entire career was seeing you post on Facebook that you had six people in a little mastermind that you'd put together. (laughs) That's hilarious. In Toronto, was it in my basement or was it a Maybe it, I rented. Yeah, maybe a, at a gym uh, or something. Or but camp, but you were just going to talk about muscle, right? This was uh, like, like oh, this first, is muscle camp. This is your first. Maybe it was your first six-figure mastermind. Oh, yeah, it's just an intro thing. Like, were you yeah. remind me because I just remember yeah. seeing that, and yeah. I was like, yes, Vince, look at him. He's implementing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So there is a backstory to having my first mastermind, but this goes way back to 2010. There's a bit of a lesson here. I had uh, 10 guys approach me and two of the guys, good friends of mine said, can you teach us how to build a seven figure fitness business? And they were competitors. So I'm like, why would I do that? And they said, well, we'll find the hotels. We'll book the venues. We'll do all the logistics and we'll get 10 people to pay you 10 grand each if you teach us. And we just want to meet up three times for two days. And we met in Quebec. We met in Las Vegas. Then we went down to the Keys in Florida. And I basically taught them everything I was doing. And what happened was the first one, they said, I was so far ahead. They'd never seen so much value. There was 10 guys in that group. Six of them became millionaires in one year. 
Nice. (laughs) Yeah. And they were all like way under six figures, like not even over six figures. So half of the group 10X their income in one year. The second one, they said, wow, you really wowed us, but not as much as the first event. And then the third one, I kind of just showed up and a lot of them were catching up. And then they said the third one wasn't as wasn't the uh-huh. best one. I didn't have a pitch. I wasn't being coached at the time. I didn't know how to renew everybody. And I just said, Hey guys, this is what we're going to do next year. And the price is going up 10 grand. And guess how many people signed up? Mm, none. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they felt so bad for me because these have become dear friends of mine who are still dear friends to this day, the majority of them, that they wanted to pull me aside before we went out that night for drinks to tell me why they weren't renewing. And they just said, we felt like we caught up, like you didn't continue to grow. And that was in 2010. And that was a massive, they did it very respectfully. I was very, to be impressed with how, you know, they honored the entire process of basically wanting to explain why none of them were continuing. And that was a massive blow to my Mm -hmm. ego. I don't think I've got therapy on that to this day, now that I think about it. But something definitely happened back then, which made me just go into focus on your own business, Vince, stop trying to don't do that again, because I was massive disappointment. It wasn't for a couple of years later before I thought of teaching people, but I did it safer. I just did the two-day events. Instead of doing a full-blown 12-month mastermind, I said, hey, come to this hotel for two days. And that's probably the picture that you saw. And I'll teach you as much as I can in two days. And there was a lot of people that became millionaires from those two days, yeah. including my top student, Frank, who's did 20 million last year. And Joel Galba, wow. who now does over it. Oh, yeah, Frank. I remember yeah. Frank. Yeah. And it wasn't much longer, but a few months, maybe after that, maybe months, maybe weeks, I saw another post on Facebook and you said, I have 60 people. Right. In my six year mastermind. So talk to us a little bit about that transition because then I'm just like, you know, jumping up and down and (laughs) in my living room. (laughs) I've got the timeline. So, what I was doing as I was running my fitness business is I saw this opportunity to market to my fitness audience who here wants to learn how to build a zero to six figure business, you know, from zero to six figures in six months. And I did about five or six events. And everyone, there was about 10 to 20 people, $2,000 a head. The biggest one was 40 people in Toronto. That was a couple summers ago. And that was the one that I made my pitch for a 12-month mastermind. And I'd rehired Bejos just literally a week before that to teach me how to sell from stage, if you will, because it's something I'd never done. And at that event, there was 28 buying units in the room and 16 of them stood up, walked to the front of the room with a $15,000 contract in hand. So you do the math on that, you know, that was the biggest payday I'd ever experienced. And that was the beginning of the seven figure mastermind with 15 people at that event. And now three years later, there's over 300 active members in that coaching program. Yeah. And I believe you charge more than, well, maybe not, you have different levels, right? Yeah. We have different levels. Yeah. 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 So, but that one, the one that you joined seven figure mastermind, Yep. The one that price points about the same still. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And you know, that's a lot more than you were making, even though you were already a millionaire from your fitness programs, that's considerably more than you were making. That became a million dollar business within one year we've scaled that up significantly over five X since then. And it's a very profit rich business too. And it's a very lean team. I have 30 team members. So compared to some of my, you know, colleagues who've got high ticket coaching businesses, masterminds, 
at 55, 60 team members, you know, 20, 30% profits. I like to keep the profits well over 50%, if not 60%. So we've really learned how to become a high functioning team and really streamline the delivery of our service in a way that, that doesn't constrict scaling. Terrific. Yeah. And it's just, I think your story is just such a great example of how you can use a book as a bridge to help you transition into your next iteration. One thing that I've enjoyed watching so much is seeing you stepping into being able to share your whole self in terms of all the different ways that you can provide value Mm -hmm. and not just be limited to the fitness conversation. Right. So we've got a live event in Nashville, April 21 to 23. And I asked the members, what would you guys like to learn? You know, any speakers you want me to bring back? It's interesting. The most popular one is uh, they want Flavi to come back. (laughs) And the reason being is they want to learn how to scale a business with a family. Mm, Yeah. They want to know like, so you have three kids, you're leaving the country, you're building a house in another state, you're selling your home, you're getting a visa. Like how, and you're scaling your business, how are you doing all that? So we're going to share some of the uh, challenges and solutions that we've, you know, had to discover. And that's another thing about you too, is like, you've just been, no, I know from sitting in the room when I was in your mastermind and, you know, you're just very transparent with your people, right? About, you don't just give the rosy side. Right. That's the thing, right? Because They want to hear that they're normal. And I think one of the jobs of a good coach is to normalize people's problems, Mm. normalize their problems and let them know that, okay, everything you're going through is ordinary. It's not unordinary. This is all familiar territory that I've been in. Anyone you look up to has experienced these challenges. Like you didn't get handpicked to experience this challenge. You're not special. (laughs) (laughs) So don't, you know, don't get too down on yourself. So I think reassuring people that it's harder and longer and costlier than they anticipated is a big part of just keeping people in the game and letting them know like, oh yeah, this took us six months to figure out. Oh, oh, I was getting frustrated because we didn't figure it out in like two weeks because you gave me the template and I, I don't know why like we're not implementing. No, no, no. There's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scene with communication and reporting and holding people accountable. Like, oh, okay. So I think that's what people appreciate because, you know, we don't quit on people. I always say that, you know, people quit on themselves though. Mm-hmm. And the reason they quit on themselves is because, you know, they hit this roadblock that they think is, you know, something that is not meant to be gone around. So I think that's the big value of having a coach pushing people and putting them in the environment that raises their standards and getting them to believe like, no, you can have a 50 K a month business. No, you can be a millionaire. You can expand and you can build a team. Like these things are all possible, but there's so many new levels of growth that you haven't even like tapped into. So the question is, is do you want to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can say that, you know, anything you want, right. Whether it's a better body or a bigger business or a book, it's, it's, it's that it comes down to that same thing. Like, do you want it bad enough to do what you need to do? Right. Exactly. And are you going to pursue the vision that you've had or are you going to tap out? And, you know, I even call it selling out. A lot of people just sell out. And, you know, I'm trying to communicate to people now. Like someone says to me the other day, like, I don't think online fitness coaching is for me. I'm like, you idiot. I'm like, (laughs) it's not for you, it's for the people you're serving. (laughs) 
and they're, and they're trying to figure out why they're all depressed and, you know, anxious. I'm like, this is why you're all uptight. The only person you're worried about is you, you show up and put out content to get leads. Your mindset's messed up. Like the reason you have a business is to wake up and save people's lives and to serve people. Like you don't build a business to serve you. And that's just the people that quit in the first, you know, year or two, because they've got the wrong mindset. They don't see it as like, you know, gratitude is action. When you're in a state of true gratitude, you take action. You don't sit down and journal it. You don't sit down and like, you know, thank God, like God already knows that you're grateful for these basic needs. True gratitude is reflected in like, do you do anything with what you've been given? Getting up every day and serving people with any expectation of return, that's true gratitude. And that's what we're trying to help people like flip that switch and realize this isn't about you making more money. This is about you waking up and using your God-given talents and your skills and your passion and your resources to help people, serve people. In the process, you probably make some really good money along the way. But if you're driven by externals, you're always going to be depressed. So true. So true. And if you're just thinking about yourself, right, then you'll always be depressed too. And you'll also be anxious. Like I think the biggest cure that I had a business coach before you also, believe it or not, (laughs) but who cured me of my anxiety around having a sales conversation by giving me basically a mantra, which is before you get on the phone, you say to yourself, how can I help this person? How can I change this person's life today? And when you show up for a call like that, that's what you're talking about, right? Like you're not thinking about, am I going to get the sale or how am I going to get the money? You know, you're Mm -hmm. thinking, how can I serve this person? Who can I help today? If you get up every day and ask that, whose life can I change? And then you're looking at the day in the proper way. Yeah, I love it. I just had a conversation with an ex-convict of 10 years. He's got a big YouTube channel, Wes Watson, GP Penitentiary Life on YouTube. And he's speaking at our wow. event and and he wakes up at 2.45 a.m. every day to work out. And huh. I asked him, you know, talk to me about that. You know, you know, he's saying that, you know, he doesn't get up to get something. He gets up to get crap out of him. Oh, and, yeah. Brilliant. And it's like, you know, waking yeah. up early, it's, it's, you get rid of the negativity. You get mm-hmm. rid of the procrastination procrastination. You get out the you know desire for instant gratification. You get out the comfort. It's like what you get out, like what you take. And I'm yeah. like, wow, that's freaking brilliant. So I think a lot of people have this whole thing backwards. It's like, why are you building a business? It's to get rid of your selfishness. Yeah. It's to get, you're building a business to help people. It's not to serve you. You're building a business to get rid of all your self-absorption and all your fear and all of your you know, safety risk management assessments, and just to put yourself out there because this isn't about you. And once people, I think, can start to make those pieces click, yeah, they wake up with purpose. There's now you have a whole new purpose for waking up today. Mm-hmm. So that's so brilliant. So brilliant. And, you know, it's true because then when you're focused on service and when you're thinking about who you can serve and how you can help people, then you, then you ask all the questions you need to succeed. Like, how can I do this better? How right. can I take away even more friction for this person? How can I make this process more clear? How can I convey this idea in a simpler way? And you don't ask those questions if it's about you. Right. Yeah. So how do I get more leads? How do I grow my following? Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> right. Those are the questions that show up at school. Like, how do you wake up earlier to read 10 pages of a book and then go have a great workout and then go share what you learn from that and give value to your audience without any expectation of a return and do that every single day for 10 years? It really is 
you know, having another centered mindset. And I, I know that might, you know, sounds hard, you know, people, oh, but, but I'm like, yeah, but it's like, what are you putting your identity in? Like in your external, put your identity in who you are and being somebody that is coming at this from a, a place of service and non-expectation and value. If you're a value-driven individual, all your needs will get taken care of, but you got to put yourself last. And that's just hard when you're coming from a background from scarcity and survival, which is you know why you need to get in environments where there's other people who are operating at those low levels. Yeah. You need to be around people who are operating at that higher level with that. Yeah. Vibrating at a higher frequency. Yeah. I mean, you are so good, Vince, at sharing on social media. We should talk a little bit about that because you could probably do an entire class. You could do a whole nother mastermind. You know, you do, you share, you know, you're probably the only person who consistently writes these long posts that I read every single word. Oh, really? Cool. Right. Because you're really, you know, what shines through is that you're speaking from your heart or you're writing from Mm. your heart, but maybe, I don't know, like this must be a muscle too, that you had to build. Correct. I mean, like, yeah, it's a good question. Are you ever bad at this? We're pretty good you, at it. You, you can go on YouTube and see for yourself. Go watch the videos from <laughs> go watch the videos from 2008 to 2016. Yeah, you can see <laughs> that the first 800 videos all sucked. So you could be a judge. So nothing came naturally, right? And if even you look at great pastors, uh Stephen Furtick was talking about giving this sermon when he was 16 years of age, when he first launched Elevation, and he was preaching from a certain scripture. And when he gave this passage back when he was 16, he had like 12 points. And over the last 15 plus years, he summed it down to one point. Wow. So he's preaching from the same scripture, you know, 15 plus years later, but this passage has become so clear. So I think like, yeah, it's definitely a process of evolution. And I think, you know, when you're first starting out, your ideas might sound kind of unclear, but it really just comes from living out a lot of certain ideas. I like to also share what I read. It also helps me implement. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a, it's almost, um, sometimes my best posts are like literally coming out of my devotional from the morning. I'm like, oh my gosh, that spoke to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was specifically speaking just to me. And that's one of my processes of creating content. And some people say, you know, how do you make your content when I'm inspired? Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe after a sermon or after a mastermind talk, I hear Bejo's talk or after listening to Wes Watson on a podcast, I'll hear something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's speaking to me. Like, and when I feel something, then I try to like package it up in a way that is relatable to my audience based on what I can kind of rift on for my mm-hmm. own experience. That's kind of my process for creating content. It's very inspirational based and relevant uh, based on what's happening right now in my life. And I find that's maybe what makes it a little sticky because I'm, you know, I'll share lessons from what's going on with world events right now. And, and people can relate to, oh, that's an interesting parallel to that and that. And I try and make it timely, I think. And um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then, you know, the biggest thing is like taking these ideas and trying to simplify them down into just really, you know, digestible, you know, shareable, you know, points. And that I think is the skill set of some of the best communicators in the world is that 
they can use few words to communicate something super rich. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's just that like an aha, like, oh my gosh, that just landed finally. Like, wow, those guys are masterful at what they do. They didn't just like that. They didn't just slip out of their mouth. Like they've been, it's like you got the ingredients and you're like the difference between cooking and baking, right? You know, anyone can cook. They just follow the recipe, but like a true chef can bake. They can take the ingredients and they can make something that tastes different than anything else. The person is, you know, that's a craft. So I think it's just something I'm really passionate about getting better at communicating my ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just making me think of, I remember pretty early on in the book writing process, we were talking about your voice, right? Because you wanted it to have more edge, right? Than some of our early work. <laughs> and what do you remember about that? Because I just remember that was a really important turning point. I think I found a lot of my voice, like I'm easily, and again, speaking about vulnerability, I'm easily influenced. And I think it's okay. You know, when you hear my voice, it might sound a mix of Grant Cardone, Bedros Cooley and Stephen Furtick. Like you kind of hear a mixture of guys, but I think that's a process everybody has to go through to find their own voice. And as the experiences become more real, I think what happens is your confidence goes up. You know, when they're talking about integrity, I'm like, I've been on 75 hard for 38 days and I haven't compromised once. I can speak about this right now. So I think when I say edge, I think it means like stop backing off on your energy, even like in a relationship, like males are meant to be masculine. It's like, and you see a lot of demasculated males because they're afraid to, you know, have an edge and say, you know, just pretend wife, wife, that is not acceptable. I will not tolerate that anymore. It's just like most males would be terrified to say something like that to their spouse because they feel like an imposture, like who am I to call her or say that's inappropriate. So they don't have that self-respect. So I think the edge I was trying to portray is like, I know this, I know what I'm talking about. Like I am the OG. I know this better than anybody. I want that authority to come through and I don't want it to be watered down. I want it to be, this is the way you do it. We're not apologizing. We're not putting asterisks at the bottom, but in this situation, in this situation, no, this is the way we do it. So I think that's what I meant by the edge. It's much more authoritative. Yeah. And I mean, I think it was such a looking at where you've gone since then, it seemed to me like that was a real turning point in your awareness, like, right. Not just for how you communicated in the book, but just how you were going to show up in the world, yes. you know, really owning who you are. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's been, I think, I know that's my journey, but I think everyone can relate to owning who you are mm-hmm. and uh, owning who you are and owning what you do, owning how you're leading and owning what you're building. Mm-hmm. I think those are the four things I think every person is trying to own. So owning who you are, right? I have done this longer than anybody. What, what am I kind of saying? This would be a good idea. No, this is the best way to do it. Why are you afraid to use the word? This is the best way. Cause one hater might say there's different ways. No, this is the <laughs> best way. <laughs> yeah. So I think that is, that's crucial. And when you start to discover the path, like that's what a leader does, right? A leader knows the way and a leader shows the way. And, you know, when you step into that, you know, that's when you're going to have the most, uh, you know, impact on people's lives as well, because they're going to hear that. He's like, well, he's, he's pretty down on all this low ticket stuff. He, he really believes in this high ticket stuff, doesn't he? Maybe I should give it a shot. I'm like, but if I'm like, well, only if you're they're like wishy-washy, <laughs> I'm going to find another guy. Right. Exactly. 
right? <laughs> Said the guy who started with low ticket and is now crushing it with high ticket, right? So, right. Yeah, exactly. I, I know. I know both sides. So I can speak right. from it's experience. It's not like you didn't even try low ticket. <laughs> right. I can tell you why that's so hard. <laughs> yeah. And I think that you know, having worked with several authors, I think that is really one of the key intangible benefits. It's a tangible benefit, but it's a subtle benefit of going through the process of writing a book is you're putting down the law, really, right? This isn't just a conversation on a podcast or a phone call. This is in print. Right. <laughs> it's going to be shipped out to bookstores all over the world and you can't right. take it back. <laughs> right. I like that part of the book because, you know, you come back and you'll have a quote, Hey, Vince, or, you know, or whoever is editing it or the researcher, do you have anything to back this statement up? I'm like, mm-hmm. it's a good yeah. question. I'm like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's some report, on, but it is that it, you have somebody to, you know, test your craft and challenge your ideas. And just to, uh-huh. you know, I did like that part of the book writing process because yes. I learned a lot. I'm like, there's a ton of studies to support this. I was pretty sure there were, but okay, here they are. (laughs) I'd forgotten all about that piece of it, but yeah, we actually did. We had a researcher that you also employed to go find the actual sources so that we could verify everything you were saying, which is, we do that with everybody. Yeah. Like, said it's in print it's and you got a publisher who's also on the hook now if you get it wrong exactly yeah i think she was the fact checker right yeah yep yep. and we told her to go through the book and circle anything that could be either i think we said anything that was unbelievable or that needed some you know an asterisk uh, a footnote whatever and it was what a great process that was Mm -hmm. i really did enjoy that and that gave you that confidence and also gave me what a deep appreciation it gave me for other authors Right. Like when I, you know, I just heard what's his name, the author, um, Donald Miller, he's writing another book and he was just, I listened to my podcast. It takes him a year to write a book. I'm like a year. I get it now. Like a whole year to write one book. Don't you guys whip these things up? Like, yeah. So <laughs> it gives you much more appreciation for the work because you're consolidating years and years of ideas into the best of in one little spot that I can absorb in four to six hours on audible. There you go. Yeah. Brilliant. All right, Vince. Well, I can't believe we've almost hit an hour on our conversation today. So before we go though, I'd like to ask you, what have I not asked you that I should have, or that you would like to share that we didn't cover today? Hmm. For me, who should write a book? When should you write a book? I think those are good questions. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, I truly do believe the book is the best asset that you can put in the marketplace for lead generation. And whether it's a short book or longer form book, like what a great tool to indoctrinate, create trust, sell your ideas. Like after you've read somebody's book, if I'm getting on a sales call with somebody, like I'm just curious to know in the details, what's it cost? Like, but I'm already sold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's a great tool. If anybody's wondering, should I write a book? I think everyone should uh, definitely have their methodology packaged into some form of book that uh, people can consume. It's excellent for your prestige. It's great for networking. And it's probably one of the best lead generation tools on the planet because again, the perception around a published author it's never going to diminish. So yeah, I think it's something that everybody should put on the radar. And I tell a lot of my students, when are we going to work on a book project together? And they go, really? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. 
And then they just start thinking bigger. They're like, yeah, haven't you thought about packaging your ideas up into a system or like, not really. I'm like, so it, they're still in that kind of space of like, this business is designed to pay some bills, have a good lifestyle. But I'm like, why don't we create something that you'd be really proud of? And that could really get spread into a lot of hands. And then they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. When should we do that? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, well, let me connect you with my friend Robin and she'll take care of you. <laughs> there you go. You know, let me ask you this because that reminded me. I remember when we were talking about the title of the book, the idea of legacy kind of resurfaced, right? We talked about it a little bit in the beginning. How do you feel the book has is contributing to because I know legacy is an important thing to you. I just want to invite you to share whatever you have to say about legacy, because I know this is something that matters to you. Well, you know, I mean, I got three kids right now. So I think it's neat that, you know, Amelia's eight, John Lucas six, and then uh, you just saw the three-year-old run into the screen here. And I think it's neat that, you know, talking about legacy that, hey, you know, one day, Amelia, John Luca, they're going to come to Nashville. They're going to walk in that room and they're going to see a couple hundred people and they're going to say, what do you do, daddy? And they're going to, you know, one thing about their dad, your dad's an author. Your dad writes, like, I think that's pretty cool. My dad writes books. Mm-hmm. Like, how cool is that for a child to see that, hey, my dad writes books and these are all dad's coaching clients and they all read daddy's work. Daddy helps them build their business. I think that's really cool that my daddy helps people build a business. Oh, cool. I think that's to me a really neat part about legacy. And, you know, I, I know you uh, recently lost your father, Robin, as um, my mom did. You know, about a year ago, we lost my nonno. He's ninety six, and and my mama, she actually spent the last year writing a book called "Lessons from My Father." Ah, nice. Uh, something a tribute she wanted to make, and I just finished reading it, and it was beautiful. And it was all these lessons of my nonno who, you know, left Italy when he was seventeen. And why did he leave Italy? Because there was no opportunity. There was no work. He came over on a boat, you know, he came and he had to, like, he did something to get into the country with the x-ray. He asked the doctor, like, I don't know, scribble something out. Cause he had something he wasn't supposed to have in his chest, which would have turned him around, which is kind of the equivalent of going into a country right now without a vaccine. I was like the freaking parallels, like he had to sneak into the country. I'm like, what the heck am I reading right now? This happened like a hundred years ago, yeah, and, you know, 80 years ago. And here I am making this move to the United States with my family, like what a big decision. We're going 12 hours down the road, but I'm like gaining these lessons from my grandfather and Mm. how inspirational is that? So I don't know, maybe the legacy is that my kids will see like, Hey, maybe I can create, maybe I can imagine, maybe I can write. And I think that's going to be a part of my legacy. I hope. I'm sure it will. And, you know, when you think of, and I mean, you're a walking living legacy. When I think of all the lives that you've changed, including mine. So thank you, Vince, for being who you are. And thank you for being on the Author's Corner. Oh, thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Author's Corner. You're one step closer to writing the world-changing book you've dreamed about for years. To access today's show notes and other helpful resources, simply visit our website at theauthorscorner.com. A positive review would be appreciated. Until next time.